We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. With the third pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. TJ. Oh, goodness! Stunning! With the left hand! Devontae Oh, my goodness! Oh, I don't believe it! A 30-foot of the Just stop it already! All right, everyone. Welcome into another BuzzBeat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. This is Richie. And I am joined by the radio play-by-play voice of the Charlotte Hornets, Sam Farber. Sam, how's it going? It is going well, Richie. It is a pleasure and a privilege to be with you. Uh, delighted to make it to the Busby. I appreciate it. So whenever we get a new guest on, we love to learn a little bit more about them and, and how you got to this point in your career. So before we get to like the present day, I'd love to know more about you and your background and, you know, when did you know you wanted to get into broadcasting and what exactly got you interested in this, in this type of field? Well, I, I always knew I wanted to, to have a career in sports. As a young kid, I had dreamed that maybe I'd be playing one day and reality uh, fairly quickly set in. Uh, but in college, I had an opportunity to work for the campus radio station and uh, my freshman year call a couple of basketball games and from the very first one I was hooked and uh, you know thought that this would you know be an ideal career for me didn't know exactly what the path would lead me towards but uh, you know it had high hopes obviously and uh, was just lucky enough to, to continue to build from college into grad school going to the minor leagues taking internships uh, eventually working my way up to ESPN and at the time Fox Sports West and uh, just uh, over a year ago now, or just about a year ago now, I should say, uh, getting the call here from the Hornets for the dream job and hopefully the forever job. You kind of mentioned this, but it looks like you've done some play-by-play with some minor league baseball teams as well. I think the Inland Island 66ers at one point, which is, I just love the minor league baseball teams. that They have the best team names like ever. Just, I don't know how they come up with these things, but how would you describe that experience and, you know, how different is baseball play-by-play than, than basketball? I'm assuming it's a little bit more laid back and, and not as fast-paced. Certainly, certainly. In basketball, for radio in particular, there is always something going on, always something to describe. Quite frankly, you could probably get away with never touching your notes if the game is big enough, important enough, uh, and there's enough action going on. Whereas baseball, you're constantly filling 
uh, you know, dead time in terms of not a lot of action going on in the game, but it, it was truly the best learning experience I could have. And I would highly recommend it for any young aspiring broadcaster because it's an opportunity to work every day uh, to, to try and master your craft, to get a lot of reps in. And most minor league jobs will have you flying solo. So you can really work on yourself and get to know a lot of people who have similar aspirations as you and find what, what works for you, quite frankly. I had a, a mentor coming up in the minors, a great broadcaster, Dan Karcher, uh, who was formerly of the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. And he told me, you, you really don't know what you're doing about your, in terms of your own personal broadcast till you've called a thousand innings. And that sounds like a lot, but you know, I think it's true. And, you know, all those years of repetition really prepared me for everything I've been able to do in my career. And, and I still go back and tap into that experience today. I mean, this season with, with all that was going on with COVID, I was doing games solo for the Hornets. So having that experience in my back pocket for my minor league time really came in handy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Now, you said that, you know, you hope that Hornets is your forever job, which we also hope is, is the same thing for you. But if basketball wasn't the sport that you were broadcasting, would you say baseball like is your second, like your runner up? Or is there another sport that in the back of your mind that you always wanted to broadcast for, too? Well, that basketball was always my number one. It was the, gotcha. my first love, if you will, for sports. And it's the first one I really started broadcasting when I was in college and then first couple of jobs out of school. Um, but as my career's gone on, you know, I felt like things might be heading in a different direction a couple of times uh, as I got into minor league baseball and um, college basketball jobs weren't as easy for me to come by in terms of moving up the ladder. I thought, Hey, you know, I'm in the minors, I'm in the pros, so to speak. So maybe baseball will be the route. Uh, then I started doing high school football for Fox sports West and ESPN. And I thought, all right, well now I'm, now I'm on network television. So maybe this is the, Sport that's going to take me to you know my desired destination and uh, then lo and behold it's back to basketball again so back to my first true love and, and hopefully it's where I'll be able to stay. And, and last question before we get to the Hornets here most of your career you lived out on the west coast in LA and now you're in Charlotte so how would you compare like the two areas and is there anything that you miss from out there? Well, it's certainly more humid out here and <laughs> yes. going, going to uh, the summer league. It's interesting. A lot of the, the people in our travel party that are from Charlotte or from this area of the country in general or anywhere that's had humidity, the dry heat really drives them nuts. And for me, I'm out there in, you know, 105 degrees saying, well, it's only a dry heat. It's not that bad. So I think that's probably the one thing weather wise to get used to. But to be honest, we, we really could not have asked for anything more uh, than to be in a community like Charlotte. It really reminds me of where I grew up. I grew up in San Jose, California, which has a, you know, a, a strong, exciting downtown, exciting to me at least, it has some sports teams that they follow with the Sharks and, and whatnot, minor league baseball as well. Um, but it's a lot of suburbs and a lot of communities, and you can get in and out of places fairly easily. Uh, Bay Area traffic isn't nearly as bad as L.A. traffic, I'll, I'll say that. And Charlotte, we, we see a lot of the sim, same similarities and really loving getting to know the different communities around town. It's great being able to just hop in the car and a 20-minute drive is consistently a 20-minute drive. It's not like L.A. where it goes to a two-hour drive or yep. a three-hour drive. Um, we, we really love Charlotte and uh, just couldn't be happier with 
how this path has led us. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm not going to you know, say I would have turned down a job in any other market to get to the NBA. It's a, it's a dream situation. I'd have moved to Mars, but if I could pick where to be, I think Charlotte would be at the top of the list, and I just couldn't be happier with how this has worked out for us. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's move to the Hornets. Let's take a look back on last season before we jump into looking into the future. I think we have to start with the rookie of the year, LaMelo Ball. How much fun did you have calling his games? And I just want your overall assessment on his rookie season. Well, he's really a spectacular player and, and a great person. It's funny, what, one of my first TV basketball games that I ever did was in Southern California for Fox Sports West. It was the high school section championships, and it was the undefeated Chino Hills team wow. that at the time had LaMelo Ball as a freshman. And I remember vividly watching him, some of the, the handles he showed off and the moves and his ease of scoring. And, and this is when he was, what, 5'10", and, and a 14-year-old freshman playing with his older brothers, uh, as well as Onyeko Okongwu. I mean, they, that was a loaded team, to say the least. But I, I see even now some of the similarities and some of the little traits and just the way he moves his body, uh, they, they remind me of that first game. So I, I've covered LaMelo for a very long time and he just brings an excitement and an entertainment factor that most players don't have. And it's, it's not to fault anyone else. It's just a natural God-given ability that he has that we all get to enjoy. And it's going to make Charlotte basketball very special for a long, long time. What do you think, whether it's next year or a couple of years down the road, what do you think like the next step in his progression needs to be? Like, Is there something that you, you wish would get a little bit better? Obviously, he's the rookie of the year for a reason, but is there something that you think that he needs to improve on just to further develop his game? You know, I think right now, to his credit, LaMelo's very good at taking what the defense gives him. If they're giving him a lot of shots, a lot of driving lanes, he is more than happy to take it. 
if they're giving him a lot of passing lanes, he's more than happy to take those as well. And I think one thing that we'll start to see as he continues his progression is he'll probably start dictating things the way he wants it Mm -hmm. to go or the team wants it to go a little more often. Not trying to put the cart before the horse and say this is something he should have been doing. It's not. You know, he, he's establishing himself as a pro. He's learning the speed of the NBA game, and he's doing it at a very rapid pace. But I think there's going to start to become times, maybe it's two or three years down the line, or maybe it even starts this upcoming season, where if LaMelo wants to score 30, he's going to score 30. If he wants to have 20 assists, he's going to have 20 assists. I remember back to some of the Kobe Bryant games where people were getting on about, oh, he can't pass. They say, fine, I'm not going to shoot this half, and we'll see how you all like it. (laughs) And he'd still find a way to win the game. I think LaMelo has that kind of ability to control the game the way he wants. I don't think it's something he has to do right away. It's something he's going to be able to do eventually. And when he does, watch out, because now he can not only take what you're giving him, but he's going to take what he wants, too. That's a good point. He can kind of dictate play, and that's something that he can probably turn to in years to come. Now, one player that is kind of inevitably linked to LaMelo is Miles Bridges, and he had another surprising season last year. Great development with his playmaking, his off-the-dribble shooting. Um, I thought he looked more locked in defensively, and just an overall pairing, awesome pairing with Melo, like I mentioned. You know, what did you make of his jump in his third season, and you know, kind of like the future outlook of him in these upcoming seasons. Well, what I really love most about Miles is the unselfishness to his game. Going to the bench and allowing a player the caliber of Gordon Hayward to come in and thrive really says a lot about what kind of teammate Miles Bridges is and the confidence he has in his own game, his own abilities. So there are no doubt a lot of players who would say, hey, wait a minute, you know, you're bringing an all-star in to come play my position bumping me either to the bench or to a spot that, you know, I'm, I'm not accustomed to playing super recently. Uh, there, there certainly could have been some friction there and there just wasn't. Miles is just that kind of unselfish player. And we saw some big jumps in terms of shooting percentages, in terms of his decision-making. Uh, you know, he, he is a very, very special talent. So I, I think it was a great, Thing, a great you know piece of luck there that he was able to pair up and have that Airbnb connection off the bench with Lamelo. I think it's only going to help them both as we go into the future. And he's just taking off right now. I think he's still he's still a young guy. He's still really discovering his game and how to play in the NBA. Um, but he doesn't have too much more left to figure out in terms of becoming a frontline starter on hopefully a playoff team. And speaking of the playoffs, the Hornets barely missed out on the playoffs last season. And Miles Bridges was one of the few that kind of stayed healthy throughout the season. Uh, But the Hornets did run into that injury bug, like many NBA teams last year. And LaMelo went down. Gordon Hayward went down with that foot sprain. You know, I know it's unfair to kind of play this what-if game, but where do you think Charlotte could have ended up at if they had not suffered these types of injuries to some of their key players? Because it feels like the Hornets had less room for error than some of these other teams. No question about it. I I have no doubt in my mind if Gordon Hayward is healthy enough to play, you know, 65 games last year, that this team is at least a six seed. I, I just don't have any doubt about it. That was the kind of win percentage they were putting up with him. And it was clear the impact that happened when he wasn't available. And that's not to say that guys like Miles Bridges, who, uh, to borrow a, a phrase from head coach James Borrego, you know, picked up the sword and ran with it. 
Um, not to say that they didn't do their best or do a good job out there. It's just to say, look, you know, you can replace the stats sometimes of an all-star, but the impact doesn't always follow in that. And beyond just not having Gordon, you know, if you bring a Miles Bridges off the bench, who's falling in after? Is that person capable of putting 15 to 20 points on the board? The answer more often than not is no. So, you know, the team was really hurt by injuries. But as you mentioned, a lot of teams played that game right up to the finals. I mean, if Giannis Antetokounmpo's knee is hurt as badly as it looked in the Eastern Conference Finals, not uh, what it ended up being, him being able to come back and play for the NBA Finals. And and to flip it on the other side, if Chris Paul remains 100% through out the tournament rather than having the, the issue that requires surgery right after. Maybe it's an entirely different finals. You can look at the Clippers and the, the Nets and a variety of other teams that are looking at their roster and saying, man, if we just had one guy, this guy, make it through the finish line, maybe we win a championship. It's part of sports. It's part of life. You know, luck is, is a major factor here. Uh, Hornets did not have a whole lot of luck in terms of injuries down the stretch, and it certainly played a factor. Um, but I personally don't have any doubt if Gordon Hayward's healthy, that team's a sixth seed and maybe making it to the second round. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, at, at one point in the season, they were even fourth in the Eastern Conference. Like, I don't know necessarily if that's where they would have ended up, but like six, the, the sixth seed feels like a, a pretty safe bet as to where they would have landed all things considered. But again, you know, like in any sport, there's going to be injuries. And uh, obviously the Hornets ran into some injuries towards the end of the season. So let's shift our focus to this upcoming season. Feels like the Hornets have kind of like doubled down on this like youth movement, acquiring four, four rookies, Kelly Oubre, who's also 25 years old in free agency. They let go of Biombo, Zeller and Monk and Graham. Two part question here. First question is, how much trust do you put in the Hornets' player development system? And then number two, how do you think this team can compete next year with some of the inexperience that they're kind of dealing with? Well, to start on part one, I, I have the utmost faith in them. I think it's really borne itself out with what we've seen from this franchise in terms of developing guys like Devontae Graham, like the Martin brothers. Now, to be fair, those players had four-year college careers, and you know while they were getting developed into the NBA game, it's not as if they were 19-year-old rookies who had barely played basketball or anything like that. Uh, these guys had pretty well established themselves in what they could do against high-level competition throughout their collegiate careers. Now with some of the young guys that you've seen and, and you're kind of referencing here that are coming in, they really are more of a, a project type. But even then, we're seeing... You know, Mitch Kupchak has a great eye for talent. You know, Arnoldus Kovoka looks a lot better now than when they drafted him as a, you know, draft and stash potential type of player. Uh, he's looking like he's about ready to contribute. And I think there's a whole lot to work with with many of the young guys that were drafted more on the project side than the polished side this year. So I think the future is very bright. I think you, you have a lot of talent right now in the Charlotte pipeline that depending on how it goes, you might have a couple of guys bidding for starting spots and maybe trying to work their way towards all-star status at some point in the future. As for the here and now, I think the Hornets did a good job of replacing the type of player and the type of 
production that they lost from last year. Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo, they're outstanding leaders in the locker room. They really brought a lot to the center position when healthy. Mm-hmm. I think Plumley replaces that very well. I think he replaces some of the defense that we got with Biombo. It certainly seems to replace some of the scoring that they had with Zeller, uh, and it opens up some opportunities for P.J. Washington to still play that small ball five and maybe a Vernon Carey or Nick Richards to step in as well, or a Kai Jones for that matter, and get some minutes at the five. And then in terms of the backup card spot, look, Booknight is a rookie. He's very promising. I think there's certainly a chance that he can come in and be that Malik Monk type of player off the bench. But in Kelly Oubre, you've got a guy who's established that he is going to get you 15 points per night so long as you give him the minute. The man just knows how to score in the NBA. And with Devontae Graham and Malik Monk, Devontae was a pretty consistent scorer, had some injury issues last year. Malik, great, great talent. I love the guy. But a little bit up and down sometimes in his production. I think in Oubre, hopefully, I think you're getting a little bit more consistency and still getting that potential spike in scoring as well. So I think the Hornets, they, they certainly didn't lose anything with the moves they made. And as you referenced in the in the part one of the question, they've opened things up for the future to be very bright if one or two of these youngsters uh, really you know reaches the kind of potential they seem to have. And in one player you didn't even mention, Ish Smith. Like I, I loved his personality and those media availabilities. Like he he knows what he's coming in to do, and he knows the role that he has with this team. Oh, no doubt about it. And and the guy can play. He can absolutely play. He was he was definitely a pest. Uh, for, for anyone playing Washington last year. And I think the fact that he's coming home, he understands what this team's about, and he understands the difference between playoff teams and non-playoff teams. Mm-hmm. I think he's been in the postseason two of the last three seasons, and the year directly before it, he was on the same squad and didn't quite make it in. So he knows what the missing ingredients tend to be. He knows the kind of tenacity, the kind of energy you have to bring night in and night out. He's one of these veterans that can come in and, you know, be that messenger that James Borrego referenced a few times in the offseason. You know, it, it's great to have talent. You obviously need talent to win games, but you also need players who kind of know the way. And in Gordon Hayward and Ish Smith and a few other guys that are on the roster, you've got some players who know the way now. Last player I want to touch upon before we get to this rapid fire to, to wrap up the episode is P.J. Washington. I'm looking for a big jump for him this upcoming season because I felt like his rookie season – he kind of surprised a lot of people. And then last season, he was up and down. Like There was times where he looked like he was you know, playing like he did his rookie season and times where he was a little bit inconsistent. And Borrego even mentioned that one way that he can improve is at the rim. Um, he shot, I think, just around like 55%, which for a guy of his size, just really is leaving a lot to be desired there. And I think for him, what what's the hope for him as he moves into his third season here with Charlotte? Well, for for me personally, as a fan of his game, I just hope that the team is able to give him some some more consistency with what his role is and what's expected night in and night out. And that that's not a, a knock on how that he was handled last year. It's just a reality. Cody Zeller got hurt thirty minutes into the season, and you know the best laid plans just go to waste right there. You know, you go from having a starting center who's been in the league, been in the system for years now, to oh my God, how are you going to fill this? And P.J. Washington stepped up and stepped in and I thought performed very well and, and helped the team. You know, he alongside Gordon Hayward, if you look at, you know, team's record with them playing 
and teams record when they don't play were the I think one and two in terms of the, the biggest difference, most wins when they were playing or best win percentage they're playing and the deepest drop off when they went out. So uh, I think DJ did a great job of stepping in and filling a role. And I think he can play center in, in the NBA in that small ball five uh, role. But I think if they can give him some consistency, they can stay healthy enough to say, Hey, you are the first guy off the bench playing the four or the five, or you're starting at the four alongside Plumley. We want you to stretch the floor. Whatever it ends up being, mm-hmm. I think he's going to have that jump. And I'll also say this. you know, it, It's one thing to look at the points total game in and game out and say, oh, he was up, he was down. And there were certainly some games where he didn't shoot the ball well. Everyone had that in, in the NBA every season. It just it's, it's part of sports. It's part of life. But this is not a guy who was relied upon, as he was his rookie year, to take 15 shots per game. You know, when you add in a Gordon Hayward, when you add in a LaMelo ball, and you have a Terry Rozier still shooting at a high level and all these other pieces out there, the dependency on P.J. Washington to score goes down. And he was able to step in and do some nice things. He was top 20 in the NBA in blocks. I mentioned build a gap that the team had due to injury at the center position. So uh, I think if they can give him some consistency, he can really thrive out there with all that he can do from a talent standpoint. But I don't think last year was bad at all. I think when he got his chance to you know, really make an impact, think in that Sacramento game, yeah. he went for a career high <laughs> 40-plus point effort. And when they needed him to do other things, he was a good soldier and gave the ball up to other guys to take shots. And I, I think he uh, was a big part of the reason why the team got up to a top four position. All right, we're going to end with some rapid-fire questions here. Don't think about it too much. Just give me your initial gut response, okay? All right, let's do it. All right, number one, your favorite restaurant in Charlotte is blank. Oh, gosh. Um, we've tried it a couple times. Bula, I think it is. It's like a Spanish tapas-type place. Huh. I haven't gotten to explore too much just yet, but it's been recommended by a few people, and it was excellent. So my wife likes it. She has a lot of food allergies, and they were able to get it right on the first try. So <laughs> Bula is an A for us so far. All right. Since, since it's the off season, and uh, maybe – Maybe you've been watching a little bit more TV. Who knows? Are there any recommendations, TV shows that you're watching right now or maybe just finished or about to watch that you're just really enjoying? Ooh, man. I just started. Well, Hard Knocks just started. I'm a big fan of the behind the scenes there. So, you know, that that's next up in my queue here. Gosh, what else was something I just watched? You know, with the pandemic, we you know, we've all kind of gone back and watched yeah. a lot of stuff maybe. So, you know, the one my favorite binge show from the pandemic is The Americans. It was on FX, great kind of like Cold War spy thriller and you find yourself rooting for the enemy a little bit, but it was really an entertaining show. So, I'll go with The Americans. I've heard I've heard a lot of good things about that. I just have never watched it yet. So, maybe I'll maybe that'll be my next show to watch. So, Give it two episodes. I think you'll be hooked. <laughs> All right. The Hornets' leading score for the 21-22 season will be blank. Ooh, is this per game or is this total points? Oh, per game, per game. Per game, I'll go with Gordon Hayward. Okay. Last question. Past or present, who is the first player you think of when you hear Charlotte Hornets? I got to go Muggsy Bogues. I think he's just that kind of, of iconic personality, and he played on – what to this point has been, you know, a golden era team. Um, and he's one of the guys that I've had the privilege to meet and just, you know, couldn't have been a nicer guy. So I'm, I'm going to go with Muggsy, although, you know, Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning, Del Curry, there's a lot of great ones to choose from. And I, 
I think this current generation has a chance to be that next golden age uh, when it's basketball. I'm certainly hoping it will be. Yeah, that, that seems to be a common answer, Muggsy Bugs. I feel like I've asked that before on the podcast, and, and that person gave the exact same response that you did. So we will wrap up here. Really appreciate the time, Sam. Oh, I do have a suggestion for you. I'm not, I'm not actually sure it's logistically possible, but I thought of this today. I would love to see if there's a way that you and Eric Hollins can do like a crossover episode where you guys are both on the same broadcast, communicating to each other. It's on air on the radio. It's on air on the TV. I just think that's, a, that's an awesome idea. <laughs> I, I would love to do it. Eric is the absolute best. You know, the pandemic was extremely difficult on a whole lot of levels, well beyond basketball. But, you know, we were delighted to be able to bring games to the fans on either of our mediums. But one of the, the interesting, you know, wrinkles to it was the, the first half of the season, we'd be across the way and kind of shouting at each other and, and you know, getting to hear each other call <laughs> the games. And then the second half of the season, as fans started to trickle in, we were on the same side, so kind of next to each other. And, you know, it's for the most part an empty arena. Certainly when the team is on the road, it's an empty arena. And I will never forget seeing, you know, a monster Miles Bridges dunk or a LaMelo ball pass or one of these crazy plays and seeing Eric Collins basically falling out of his chair in excitement. Like, it is real. It is not an act. I don't think anyone questioned it anyways, but uh, this guy's enthusiasm is off the charts. I love it. It's infectious. I hope it, you know, is something that I, I can take parts of and incorporate into my call too, but I absolutely love watching Eric work, and uh, anytime I get a chance to talk to him on air or off, it's a good day for me. All right, Sam, let our listeners know a little bit more about your podcast before we hop off here. Sure, it's the, the Hornets podcast and the uh, in-season We Go Daily, which is a you know huge undertaking, but we're, we're very lucky to have our producer, Rob Longo, working on it as well. And uh, last year with the pandemic, I was always in the same spot in the same studio. So just go downstairs half of the game and record and all that stuff. So it'll be a different kind of challenge this year, but we, we're there for you every day during the season, off-season, probably two to three times a week. And just giving you all the insights and insights that we can around the Hornets. Um, definitely love listening to you guys. And I'm really thrilled that there's a lot of podcasts out there that are starting to thrive and focus on the Hornets. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong without having, you know, a little competition between them for, for guests and all that, but really just getting as much content out there around this great team. It's got a lot of people in the queen city excited. So uh, if you haven't gotten your fill for the day after listening to the Buzzfeed check out the HHC as well and, and vice versa. Yeah, please do so. Obviously, the more exposure, the better. It, it feels like five years ago, there might have been only like one or two podcasts, but now, like you said, it feels like there's more and more of these things popping up, which is which is a good thing for this franchise. So we wanted to thank everyone for tuning in to another episode. We will talk to you guys later. For Sam, I'm Richie. Have a good one.